Welcome to Conflict Manage. I'm your host, Mary Brown. When you think of belonging, what does it mean to you at work? Do you feel you belong where you work? Why? Today on Conflict Managed, Kristen Dunn, Director of System Advancement at Aim High Tennessee, talks to us about her remote job, which she joined a year before the pandemic hit. Kristen discusses the benefits of a remote workforce, crafting caring policies, the importance of reflective practices, and being creative to stay connected. Kristen also shares with us how she has, and is, dealing with recent health issues and being a working mother. She tells us what it's like to work for an organization who has come alongside her, supporting her with resources and assistance to continue to work through her difficult health challenges. Kristen Dunn received her bachelor's degree in child and family studies with a minor in political science from the University of Tennessee at Martin and her master's degree in recreational therapy from the University of Tennessee at Knoxville. Upon graduation, she spent time in Washington, D.C. with the Children's Rights Council advocating for children to have access to both parents. Kristen then went on to providing recreational therapy for adolescents in residential treatment in Chattanooga, Tennessee. She later served 10 years of her career in prevention and early intervention services in Knoxville, Tennessee, including Healthy Families Home Visiting Program and the Regional Intervention Program. She joined AIM High Tennessee in 2019. Kristen's professional and personal motto is, Every child and person should know a little joy every day. Good morning, Kristen, and welcome to Conflict Managed. We're so happy to have you here. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Will you tell us a little bit about your work history? Sure. Um, so I started working, if you want to say working, um, probably when I was 12. I grew up on a farm. And also my father managed a business in the town that I grew up in. And so like after school hours, I would go and organize the files and, and help secretaries get things put together. And then worked when I was in college as a, an assistant in the development department at UT Martin, where, where you and I met, um, and worked there for quite a bit, worked summer camp jobs throughout the, those years. Um, I've always been called to work with young children and families. So upon graduation, I actually started working in a uh, residential facility in Chattanooga for adolescents. I was there as a recreational therapist and worked there for about a year. Realized real quickly that I um, can better serve younger children than adolescents. And so that was where my heart was being called to. Went to work for an agency in Knoxville, a community mental health agency, and was there for about 10 years. Oversaw prevention, early intervention programming there, um, beautiful, innovative programs that really supported our young children and some of the adverse experiences that they were experiencing and, and supporting those families as well. Um, and then AIM High started growing and developing Association of Infant Mental Health is what AIM High Tennessee stands for. And um, I had a connection with our executive director and she let me know that this opportunity was available. She knew I had a passion and systems work and really helping our state do a better job for our littles. They do, we do a great job as a state, but just taking it to the next level. Um, so position came open and I, I've been in this position or this role for about three years now. So in this position, when you took it, was it a remote job or were you in an office when it started? 
It has never been in an office. And I don't think there's any intentions of it ever becoming an office. Uh, one of the things we are very proud of about Aim High is that we want to be an accessible agency. And we often say we come to you. So we bring the trainings to our workforce to really help alleviate accessibility to our trainings and our resources. Also, we are a statewide agency. So we have staff in Memphis, Jackson, Murfreesboro, now Chattanooga, we just have a new hire that just started this, will be starting soon. Um, Johnson City, Knoxville, Cookville. And it really allows us to work as a team by being able to do more remote work than having to be in an office. So I don't ever foresee us having brick and mortar. Now we do have storage units that hold, you know, like our event swag and things like that across the state. But as far as us ever actually having a building, I don't, I don't know if it'll ever happen. So you've been working remotely for three years. Uh, so before the pandemic, you were already settled into remote work. Is this your the first time that you have worked 100% remotely? It is. Yeah. So previous jobs, you know, there were there was the ability to take work home and work from home to some extent, but the the space to be able to meet and connect with people was not there. And it's funny, we got asked a lot of when the pandemic hit of, well, how does this impact your work and change? And we were like, people discovered our secret <laughs> because we went to a couple of Zooms a day to like Zooms all day, every day, um, because the rest of the world realized that there's virtual ways to connect and meet. And um, so that's about the only thing that shifted for us was our Zoom meetings multiplied. <laughs> So how do you make remote work work? I, I'm really interested in healthy work environments and clear and direct communication. And it seems to me there, there is a, a difficulty, a roadblock when you're not physically present with people. So how do you make that work? Yeah, I think one of the things we, we talk a lot about in our agency is just being very present and when you are in that virtual space with people. Um, because it's, it's hard not to multitask when you're on a screen and you have your phone and all these things in front of you to be able to do that. Um, and then the per personal connection of still making a good old fashioned phone call and having a conversation with somebody when you are in town, making sure that maybe you connect with a coffee or some form of meeting. I will say now that we're coming out of the pandemic where agencies getting more intentional about for example, we had a director's retreat back in May um, where we kind of meet in a central location. So Nashville, I've had my team rendezvous in Lebanon for a day or two. So we try to make those personal connections. Those of us that live nearby, we might say, hey, let's go set up at Panera today and just work together um, in those spaces. So you just, you get more creative about it. And also you get I would say the training piece was what it was a big shift in making that connection because you know when you are a trainer you feed off the audience right and to see that in what we call the Brady Bunch squares it's a little harder to, to feed off of it but there are ways there's ways to engage and, and connect with people in a lot of a lot of different ways in the virtual space just different way of thinking I say. so that is a, a big part of your job is training uh workers uh or who, who are you training and, and how are you making that uh, training beneficial for people in the virtual space? Hmm. 
So well, the workforce that we specifically hold or support in Tennessee is any professional that works with children ages zero to five. Um, so that infant early childhood age range. And we really focus on the mental health or the social emotional development, early healthy or early relationships. Um, oftentimes people hear the mental health and I think they automatically think like clinical diagnosis, but we really look at supporting the workforce that's having those relationships with our young children of establishing that solid, early, healthy mental health um, in hopes to maybe mitigate mental illness later on. Um, so we focus a lot on healthy relationships. What does that look like for a childcare provider and the kids in their center? What does that look like for pediatricians who are interacting with kiddos? What does that look like for our family courts that hold a lot of different transitions for our kids? Um, so we talk about what is mental health and how we support that healthy relationship. We also talk about the importance of belonging and what that what impact that has on kids when they feel like they belong and they're part of their community. Um, we also talk about just self-care for our workforce. We pour a lot into our young children and families and at some point you got to pour into yourself. Um, so we really make sure our workforce understands the value of that and why it's so important to the work that they're doing. We also hold reflective supervision which is a process of really slowing down. It's not administrative type reflection or supervision. It's a time where we really reflect on the work and the impact that maybe you're having on a family or slowing down to really think about, is this the best approach? Is there a, a better approach or a better way? Or is there something I'm missing? Um, so we support the workforce a lot in that space as well. Wow, that sounds wonderful and so needed for our communities to care for the care workers. Yes, if I could, I'd give everybody reflection, reflective supervision, no matter what you do, work you do, I think everybody needs it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. So when you think about your vast work history, starting at 12, um, what is one of the best work experiences you've ever had and, and what made it so good? And I'd say one of my favorite work experiences was being camp counselor. I, I think I enjoyed the, the kids, the, the playfulness of it, but also still kind of in a, a structured day. There was, um, there's just a lot of joy in that space. There was a lot of space for creativity. The director there was just kind of like, here's your role, here's your responsibilities, here are the things you need to be trained on as far as like safety and and awareness, but then, you know, you could come up with your cabin's name and you can make up a, a cheer or a chant that they would have. And there was just a lot of fun. And again, like a lot of space to become creative. You know, every, every week was a different set of kids. And so what was their needs? Where do we meet their needs? How do we adapt the activities to, so they could all participate and engage? Um, it was outside, which, you know, fills the soul so much. I enjoy being outside. And, and also it was hard work. And there's something rewarding to me about just hard work. I worked at a camp for two summers. What the first time in college was in the uh, cafeteria. And that's a kind of hard work, right? Yes. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner uh, every single day, even on the days off, we everyone still needed to eat. And then uh, another summer as I was um, the craft person, I had the craft hut. And gosh, that is those two summers were so much fun, incredibly exhausting, 
but a lot of the joy and the play and the creativity, just exactly what you're saying. Those, those were great jobs, great summer jobs. Yeah. I would say, I think that what led me down to becoming a recreational therapist is to watching the confidence that occurred in those kiddos when they first showed up versus that time they left, discovering their abilities, their relationships. There's so many things that happen in the space of the context of a summer camp that socially, emotionally, physically, mentally, all those things get developed on a, on a level in a very unique way. And I, I kind of get nerded out by that kind of thing too. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. Sometimes something will come across one of my feeds about an adult camp, you know, like an adult book camp or, or whatever it might be. And I think, you know, we do family vacations. I think that's what people camp for adults or family vacations a lot of the times or just vacation. But the idea of a structured slash unstructured camp uh, where you recharge and uh, it is in the wilderness and you get to try all these fun things. I sign me up. I would love to do it. Exactly. I was about to say, if you hear of it, you let me know because I want to (laughs) go. So on the other side of that, have you had a negative experience with other a person or, or or an organization in which you worked for? Um. I'm going to reframe it. I wouldn't necessarily call it negative, but a hard and a lot of growth that happened. Worked for an agency for a little while that there was just a lot of power struggle within that agency. What felt like a lot of lack of communication or lack of understanding of everybody's roles. And it made it hard to do the work because I am very much a person that I I need to know my expectations and my perimeters because I like to get creative. If I don't know my perimeters, I will overstep them. (laughs) And also I like to meet expectations um, and meet those goals of what a vision is for someone that I've been, I'm holding those responsibilities of meeting their goals. Um, And so that was kind of missing and I, like I said, I enjoy hard work. I pour all of myself in, into the work I do, um, which is a whole nother learning curve for me right now. Um, and so putting all that hard work, extra hours, and then finding out, you know, a day or two later, that, that wasn't what was supposed to be happening or going on or it getting turned around was, was hard. And it was hard to feel like I am. Um, was doing well at my job and that I was doing serving my purpose. Yeah, that sounds really demoralizing. Yeah. It's hard to put so much of yourself in and turn and it turns out it's not what they wanted. It's it's even harder to guess like, well then what am I supposed to do? And then the next time, is this the right thing? And all of a sudden you've moved out of a space of being empowered to do your job to guessing what your boss wants or yeah. the organization wants. And that's uh, not why we do the work that we've chosen to do. Yeah. Exactly. So how did you, how did you deal with that situation? Part of, part of the growth in that was, and this is an ongoing growth for me is I do not do a good job at asking for what I need or communicating what I need. Um, so part of that situation was really slowing down and, and checking in with myself to see what, what was it that I was needing or what piece was missing, um, in our communication and the thing, maybe the questions I was asking that kind of thing. 
and then trying to put some of that into practice of, okay, I'm going to maybe ask more clarifying questions or, you know, reframe it and state it's like, this is what I'm hearing you say, or what I'm understanding. Um, and then, you know, when it flopped, being intentional about circling back with the supervisor and saying, hey, I missed the ball on this. What can we do differently? What can I do differently? And sometimes that works and sometimes it didn't because we're by nature, we're creatures of habit. And so we sometimes fall back into old habits and it, it's a practice, not a just a thing that happens. Um, Billy said, sometimes it worked. I will say it helped me better advocate moving into other roles as well. Um, in a different job when I left, I left because I was working crazy hours and um, I, I have type one diabetes. So it was having a huge impact on my health. And I was like, I, I need a, I need a change. And I, when I left, my previous supervisor called and said, I had no idea. And of course, I'm there going, you didn't see my tongue sheet. You didn't see what I was clocking in and clocking out. But I never said anything. I never said anything to her. And I often wonder what if I had, what what difference would it have made? What impact? And I'm sure it would have because she, like I said, she called me two or three weeks later and said, I had no idea. Um, you know, isn't that the way of it? We really expect that other people are paying attention to, mm -hmm. you know, so we say that to our spouses, our friends and the work. You should have known. You should have known better instead of, like, as you said, getting good at asking and telling and we think, well, why should I have to? This should be obvious. Well, one of the best things that we can do is what you said, slow down, reflect, and, and try to unravel what's going on. Because if we can unravel what's going on, we can take ownership of the things that we haven't been doing and work to be better. But then also we can start to see clearly whether or not this is a fit for us. Mm -hmm. you know, is this person taking advantage of me? Or am I not reading the room? Is there something going on with me? And once we do that, then we can be empowered to make decisions about the next step instead of just sort of being lost in the fog of something is wrong, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. 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 That I slowing think, down and speaking up. Oh, and our world needs more of it. Um, when we don't slow down, we become very reactive instead of responsive and that's why I say, if I could give reflection to everybody and give them the ability to find the space to slow down, because I know that that sometimes can be a privilege. We don't have some people don't have that opportunity to um, what a better world it would be. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that you have recently been um, battling some health issues, and I was wondering if you could tell us how dealing with health issues has affected your ability to work and being a working mother of a young child. Yeah. Um, so one of the perks and I guess the pro and con of working remotely is um, my daughter was born in April, 2020. So literally a month after the pandemic cracked wow. open, we are, I was on maternity leave for about three months and then coming back, she, I mean, my colleagues know her well, they've watched her grow up because she'd be in the background. Um, I did an interview when <laughs> when she came on, when she was with me and I had to pause and be like, I'm sorry, I've got to change a dirty diaper. I mean, because she was with me, but that is also part of 
our culture at Aim High Tennessee too, is that children belong in our space too. But after having my daughter, like I said, I have type one diabetes and I've had it for a very, very long time. And so after that, my vision started going poor and um, come to find out my retinas were being deta or detaching. Um, and then there was a whole other slew of health issues that happened along after, after um, delivering my daughter. And I say the biggest challenge has been just learning new ways of doing things. I, my agency has been overly supportive in anything that I needed before my eye surgeries. They um, gave me support in bringing in someone in that could read me my emails and like read the reports to me and type for me because I couldn't, couldn't see them. Um, I have a very lovely large monitor that <laughs> I, I jokingly say that anybody looked into the, my window, they could read clearly what was on my screen because of the jumbo print. We are trying to do like uh, team readings of books and things like that. Agencies supporting me, having access to audible or large print. Um, but it is a, it's a different way of doing things and, and learning a different way of thinking, even in personal life of like driving and wearing, I've never worn glasses up until all this happened. I had 20, 20 vision till this happened. And so even learning, like, make sure you put your glasses somewhere where you're going to find it. No, they are. Cause you're not going to find them because you can't see, <laughs> you know? And yeah, so it's been a, it's been a learning opportunity. I'm grateful to be on this side of things. I'm grateful for modern technology that allows me to do my job. Um, but also, I, I feel very supported by my agency. And therefore, I have also advocated a lot as well. With us talking about belonging within our agency a lot, a lot of times, it's accessibility is not hardly asked about when it comes to trainings or when it comes to reading materials and things like that. Um, and so I've become more aware of what barriers those are. So it's actually enhanced our, our trainings for people. And we have, we have a director over belonging and inclusion that really has brought it all to another level of like closed captioning, access to um, sound language interpreter, those kind of things. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of things that has brought awareness um, that you just didn't know until you experience it. I've been hearing a lot of, about universal design, mm -hmm. and before you've had these health issues, or I guess I could say in your organization, what do they do about universal design? And um, my recreational therapy background, I it was primarily with individuals with different abilities. Um, and so I was kind of aware of a lot of the different adaptations and, and things available and, and connections in that piece, but I haven't done that work in a really long time. <laughs> so that was a piece of it. Also, I have a sister-in-law that um, has her own vision and hearing challenges as well. So there was, had a little bit of a, a, a in on some of that uh, resources out there, like how to adjust your Apple phone to be able to read your text messages and things. But I will say, because it happened so soon after the agency, agency is about five years old, so that the agency was growing and developing, that it, it has been a supportive piece in the conversation as we are, you know, solidifying our policies and procedures and solidifying our, our work culture at the agency. 
to be able to say, hey, this this is a barrier I experienced. Let's think about it. Um, and I think it's empowered others in our agency to say, speak up to you of what their experiences have been. Yeah, so a lot of times we think about diversity and inclusion. Uh, I think if somebody were to sit down and say, okay, this is what it is, we would definitely um, talk about people with uh, different abilities or, or the resources they need. But a lot of times we uh, don't think that way. We think about what we can see. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we don't think about what it's like to enter our buildings or what it's like to go to the bathroom in a particular building, yep. you know, and uh, of course, most buildings are up to code or a lot of buildings are up to code, but that's different than, are you really welcomed here? Are you wanted here? Is this just up to code or is this a welcoming space for everyone? Mm -hmm. And what I love about universal design, when I think about uh, the flourishing of all the members of our community is that it works for everyone. It works for the person who needs it at that time, but it also is good for us to think about other people, right? Because it's not just about me and what I need right now. But when I think about childcare, I don't need childcare right now, but it doesn't matter. I should think about how um, parents are experiencing having small children when they're at work or respite care or whatever it might be, the, the greater we think about who might be out there, the greater talent we can pull in because now we've cast our nets widely. And I think it also, in just about every business, you know, it opens who your customer can be and what their experience is gonna be, not only just uh, who your employees are or who they can be or who wants to be with you. Yeah, that, that's beautiful. I love that. Um, my, my sister-in-law works at a hotel and they have adapted their way of being to bring in individuals whose primary language is sign language. And it's been such a joy to watch how much pride she takes in her work and what it's given her. And you're exactly right. Like when we can break down the barriers and get creative of how to make or help people feel like they belong or they are belong in a space that it, it just so so many magical things happen. Yeah, if we think about, so you're just your recent experience of um, having a child. And unfortunately in this country, maternity leave, right? The only, if you're listening to this in another country, America has maternity leave for people who have certain kinds of jobs full-time and your company is something like over 50 employees or something like that, such that you can have, um, is it eight weeks off? It's, I think it's limited eight weeks. Limited eight limited weeks, minimum. which is not paid. It just means when you come Your back team, after yeah. eight weeks, you can still have a job and maybe not the same job, but there is a space open for you. So that is the family leave policy for people having children, which is, uh, it's abysmal. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, just again, talking about our, our sense of belonging at AIM High, um, because we were so young when I told my boss, hey, guess what? I'm having a baby. Um, we didn't have maternity leave policies yet. <laughs> And so we had opportunity to write them as we were about to have to implement them. And 
they did a beautiful job, our board and, and our executive director did a beautiful job of really thinking about one, you have you have your weeks, you can also take your annual and sick leave time during that. But in addition to the maternity leave, there is, I think it's like, I wanna say two weeks or equivalent like 10 days after you come back that you can use for like your kids' well checks or if the baby gets sick, that are built in when you return back to maternity leave. They also in that process considered the father. Um, so there is fraternal leave as well when a, when a baby is born. And one of my favorite things is foster parents, that if a family is adopting, there is leave for that time as that baby or child's transitioning into the home and settling in that they, they have that opportunity to, to solidify that relationship and the joy of bringing a child into your home. So we had a chance to be innovative and I think it turned out pretty cool. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. You know, when I think about what the just because something is federal doesn't mean that you have to default to the lowest common denominator, right? I encourage all places to really think about your workers in their lifespan and development. We need different things at different times. We all need different accommodations depending on our health issues, our family status, um, when people die that we love. There's so many different issues. And if you want to have a healthy, happy workforce, if you want your employees to really be engaged and do the best work they can and be on mission, then we need to treat them as people and not machines, mm -hmm. right? And so yeah. to imagine what does that look like? I would encourage you as your organization did, ask the workforce, what do they want? What's meaningful to them? Mm -hmm. What helps them in your words, belonging to feel cared for? I love that, the belonging. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'll even share because I think it's one of the coolest things ever um, that just recently happened this year is our um, holiday policy. And um, this was kind of an initiative led by our all of our staff and was brought to our board and a board member kind of just said, well, hey, let's do it this way. And it was like, no one's ever done it that way. That sounds cool. And what it is, is we are given a certain number of days and the days are not coming to me right now. And each quarter, we just report what holidays we're going to take. And you can take any holiday. It doesn't have to necessarily be the federal holiday that typical businesses are closed. And that was really to help honor those who may not celebrate the Christian Christmas holiday, but maybe celebrates Hanukkah, which lands on different days. Um, those that want and want and need to celebrate June, Juneteenth, um, they have that option. And it's also a flexibility of, you know, if one spouse has the day off and is closed, but the other one doesn't, they could take that day off with their spouse and have some family time. Um, some people have taken off their birthday as a holiday, but rather than telling someone how you are going to celebrate and when you're going to celebrate, our agency has said, here's your set number of days. Each quarter we share what days we're taking and you get to celebrate what is important to you um, and your family. And it's been a really cool process. I was like, I was curious, like, how's this going to work? And it, it has rolled out beautifully. What a great idea. Yeah. You know, I think when other people are listening and they think, well, maybe this wouldn't work for, for me. Well, maybe it wouldn't work for your company. But that idea of asking, of being creative, it, you don't have to do a certain way. But what works for your your crew, your team, 
it's going to, sometimes it just varies depending on industry and whatnot, but there are so many options. And I, I love that being creative and really honoring the people that work for you. Yeah. So when you look into the future and you think about uh, your little girl, all grown up, what kind of workforce do you want her to enter in to? What, what is your vision for a healthy workforce that respects the dignity and worth of everybody, but more than that helps them to flourish? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a big question. Um, I would say a workforce where she is seen, that her, her work is honored and respected, that she is also, they is invested in her work, passionate about her work, feels like it's serving her purpose. And then the company or agency is invested in her and gives her opportunities to grow, um, challenges her. Um, something that she can work towards or work for and really, like I said, just flourish in that space. A place where you can come to the table and have a conversation and it be a brave space to have those conversations. Um, as, as we know, conversations sometimes aren't easy, but that the colleagues and maybe leadership within the agency have just a way of being where we're going to have an open mind. We're going to talk about things and we're not going to be reactive. Um, not always preventable, but you know, in most cases, and I don't know, I think we're integrity, hard work and, and loyalty matters. Like we've lost a little bit of that in our, in our world that someone's committed to an agency or to their work or loyal that it doesn't have as much weight anymore. It's more of the productivity that comes out of it. And, and to get back to that, of what that quality of work means and that through quality of work, you're going to hit productivity. You're going to, you're going to make that product happen, but getting back to honoring that, that loyalty and commitment to the, to the work and the impact you're making on the world. I really love that, this idea of quality of work instead of, you know, I'm just doing this job because it's helping me in my career and then I'm going to do another job and then I'm going to do another job because these jobs are just little, I'm just lining stuff up so I can have a paycheck. It's almost what it ends up being instead of the quality of work. That doesn't mean you don't move around, but thinking about what when we think about human flourishing, what's really going to fulfill us as individuals is also collective, right? The quality of our relationships. I think if for the most part, the kind of life we have, the quality of our life has to do with what kind of relationships we have, right? Mm -hmm. how, how we are seen and loved and how we see and love others and bringing that back to the workforce, right? Really a people-centric workforce where we really see people and not human capital. I just really detest that idea that, you know, humans are our best, you know, asset as if they're things, persons aren't things. And when you treat people as individuals with infinite value and worth, it, you, they are going to do um, good work and it's going to be better work for them, for the company and for society. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today your experiences and your insights. We really appreciate it. 
Oh, happy to do it. And I hope, hope it helps someone else be able to slow down and, and really get connected into the beautiful work that they're doing. Cause I know those that are listening, you're making a, a really big positive impact on people in the world that we live in and you gotta stay rooted in the beautiful work you're doing. Well, it certainly is a good reminder for me on this day, we're recording after the 4th of July and I felt harried all day <laughs> and to think, no, slowing down and being reflective is the way forward. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much and have a great day. All right. Same to you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Kristen, for sharing your insights and experiences with us. In particular, I appreciate your willingness to share your health concerns and how you're able to find a way to continue the work that you are so passionate about. If you have questions for any of our guests or someone you would like to see interviewed on Conflict Managed, please contact us at 3pconflictrestoration.com. Conflict Managed is produced by third-party workplace conflict restoration services. I'm your host, Mary Brown. Our music is courtesy of Dove Pilot. And remember... Conflict is normal and to be expected. Let's deal with it. Until next time, take care.